following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we're working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And I say that after having just read a headline (laughs) saying that Edina High school students walk out citing Israeli brutality. And I thought, oh, does that just live out Abraham Lincoln's quote? That's a little philosophy in the classroom will be the philosophy of government in the next. And I tell you, it is disturbing. Mm -hmm. And um, the fact that we are seeing this all across the country at Harvard and other elite institutions of higher learning, supposedly, Mm -hmm. um, don't understand the grammar. I, I always like to tell people, you need to go and learn the grammar of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, mm-hmm. and it goes way, way back. The grammar meeting, the background, the under, the tools. What what yes. got what got or what led us to where we are today? And um, the history is so long-standing and profound, and it's easy um, for people who don't have that understanding to make quick judgments. And mm-hmm. especially because we're not teaching students how to think anymore. Yes. And evaluate and analyze and question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that kind of leads us. Just march. Right. Just march. And doesn't that kind of lead us to our topic today a little bit? It does. It yeah. does. So, you know, listeners, we've had some really fantastic guests on lately and man, just love having them in the studio and chatting with them. But we thought that today um, we'd kind of just go internal a little bit here. Uh, And one of my favorite, this was the selling point of classical education for me and for my family was that classical education places a heavy emphasis on learning is a lifetime endeavor. It's Mm -hmm. not constrained by the school day, the school year, or those, you know, or your formative elementary, middle school, high school years. Um, You know, if you're not learning the rest of your life, frankly, you're not very interesting. It's just true. It's just true. And I just, you know, I remember learning about that and thinking, I love that. I love that. I want more of that in my Mm -hmm. life. I want that to be a, you know, a habit of my family. And so it meshed really well. So we thought we would just spend this time with you doing a little bit of learning. Mm -hmm. So in in regards to that, um, many of you are probably familiar with this book. We are just going to be chatting a little bit about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now, um, if any of you do listen to, you know, routine podcasts, radio um, shows, I would say that this this author was probably doing the rounds probably about three three or four years ago, 
Um, his book was really popular. I bet a number of you are nodding right now going, oh, yeah, that's on my list of things mm-hmm. to read. And, you know, it has been also on my list of things to read for, you know, a couple years. You've been so, a little busy. Been a little busy. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really fun to kind of have the catalyst of, OK, I'm doing this. I'm doing it, Rebecca. I'm sitting down. I'm going to read this book. Yes. So, and I will tell you all, um, it's a great read. Um, So just encouraging anyone that might be interested in this after this conversation, please go out and get it. Um, It's not heavy and weighty. The chapters are nice and short where you can kind of read a chapter, feel like you accomplished something, you learned a little something, you can put it down and then pick it back up, which to be frank is still kind of where my life is right now. I, mm. I, I long for the days where I have an entire afternoon to read <laughs> uninterrupted. But Good we, luck with that, Abigail. I'm a bit older yet. than you, and I still have not hit that spot. <laughs> no. I will tell you. <laughs> the only time I can honestly usually read is on vacation. I mean, for long periods of time, for mm-hmm. stints. Yeah. You know, I'll read on an airplane, usually after I've finished my work. Mm-hmm. So I usually bring with work with me. Um, but then on vacation, that might be the only time where I can have like a an extended period of time yes. of reading. Otherwise, it's short, short snippets, usually at yes. night before bed. Yep, as long as I can stay awake. And that and yeah, <clears throat> that <laughs> might be my issue. Is, so yes, we're we're trying to find new ways to find find ways to read, which we can even talk about. Well, I a know you bit. can tell your husband that you have to go on vacation so that you have extended learning time. I know. <laughs> to my husband, are you listening? Rebecca says I need to go on vacation. There we go. <laughs> Well, why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about why they entitled the book or why he entitled the book Atomic Habits. Yes. What does he mean by that? Such a good question. And I thought, oh my gosh, really, I, everyone, you know, the next 20 minutes, everything you hear, none of it is earth shattering information. It's all stuff that kind of innately we know. But the way he succinctly explains it, you go, oh, this that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, You know, James Clear is talking about atomic habits. Why is he talking about, you know, why did he title it that? That's such Mm -hmm. a good question. Um, And it's because atomic habit is relating, you know, the atom is one of the smallest Mm -hmm. parts, you know, molecules, Molecules. building Mm -hmm. blocks of the body. And atomic habits refers to a tiny change, a marginal gain, a Mm. 1% improvement. Mm. And that 1% improvement, that atomic habit can then be part of a larger system. And just as atoms are the building blocks of molecules, atomic habits are the building blocks of atomic and remarkable results, Mm. which Mm -hmm. I thought, Mm -hmm. oh yeah. It's true. It does make sense, actually. I I was wondering, you know, too, why would he choose that name? But it really does make sense. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of atoms to put together something more significant, yes. right? And so that means it takes a lot of habits, a lot of steps in the habitual process to develop a good habit. Yes. So, for instance, in the opposite direction, a person like me who loves sugar, and if I have a little sugar every day, and every day, and every day, and every day, <laughs> for decades, I might, I might have a little bit of a sugar habit Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is maybe not such a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. But I do take after my father and my grandmother. 
You are very lucky in that regard. <laughs> lucky that I have a habit of wanting sugar. Yes, but but you still you still move through life quite well despite it. Yes, I do. I'm I do. very impressed. I do. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I think I was also blessed with a high metabolism, mm-hmm. which helps make up for it. It does help that you never sit still. That's true, <laughs> which is why I don't have time to read very exactly. often. There you Actually, go. I, I, I do find time. But anyway, so that's the reason why it's called Atomic Habits, which makes a lot of sense to me. And then I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned that he talks about identity, that rather than trying to form a habit, you need to change your identity or the way you see yourself. So I need to see myself as a person who doesn't like sugar. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be a a dry and boring person who only eats chicken breast. Right. So, (laughs) No, but tell us more about that because that makes sense. Well, and this was this was really good. And I, I know because some of you have reached out to me. I know some of you all are in really my stage of life where you've been in the extreme parenting fog with little ones and babies and you can never sit down. And, and so now, you know, in our family, while children are still young and still lots of interruptions, lots of busy schedules, um, you know, we are past the getting up in the middle of the night multiple times and mm-hmm. changing diapers stage. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think that a lot of parents in that stage kind of take a breath and go, okay, I still, I don't have loads of time mm-hmm. at all or freedom. But I have a little bit. I have a little mm-hmm. more brain space to kind of reevaluate. Okay, the past few years was just—I mean, just pure survival. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I kind of want to take stock of okay, where's our family going? How are we spending our time? How is my health? How am I spending? You know, my efforts with that. How you know you you have a little brain space to think deeper on that. And I loved um, what James Clear was talking about with. How habits shape your identity. And Mm -hmm. he really talked about, you know, when you're kind of reevaluating either a habit that you want to get rid of or a habit that you want to grow in, it's not terribly useful to necessarily have goals, but to instead to work to change your identity because that that will be an internal motivator because really if you have a goal, I want to run a marathon or I want to run a 5K, once you do that... um, then you can kind of just, you could power through, get it done, cross that finish line, and then you never run again. And that's not actually terribly helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really talks about changing how you think about yourself. So um, talking about reading books, um, instead of saying, I want to read 12 books in a year, which then you parse <laughs> that into, okay, I need to read one book a month. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, Start thinking of yourself as, I want to become a reader. Well, why do you want to become a reader? Because people who read, um, they are more interesting. Um, their, you know, their worldview is more expansive. They're able to take in ideas and kind of wrestle them around and think about them and then, you know, apply some to their life and discard others. But um, so I want to become a reader. And all of a sudden, if you think about that, then everything that you are evaluating with how do you go about accomplishing your goal is under the lens of, well, what would a reader do? Just like, I, if, you know, if you want to become a healthy person, you know, so let's talk about sugar because sugar is wonderful. We all love it. <laughs> um, you know, but thought, thinking about not just, I just 
I don't want to eat sugar. Well, but instead he would say, thinking about, I want to be healthier. Mm -hmm. So then what would a healthy person do? You know, and then, and you, and you frame your strategies through that lens, which is much more internally motivated, which Mm -hmm. in turn then makes it into a more, a long-term habit Mm. rather than I'm going to set this goal, I'm going to accomplish it. And then really now I kind of need another goal or what do I do with it? So um, it really works well. Um, I like the idea of the internal motivation. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. I think we should go back and talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Because as parents, we're always trying to motivate our kids, right? Yes. We're trying to, especially as it relates to their education, we want them to do well in school. Maybe we want them to do well in sports. Maybe we want them to grow in their faith. Um, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we want to motivate our kids. But everyone who has researched the topic of motivation will always say, it's the intrinsic motivation yep. that is much more effective than external rewards. Mm-hmm. And so I like where you were going with that, Abigail, that the idea of seeing yourself in a different identity rather than just setting a goal. Setting a goal is almost like an external motivation. Oh, mm-hmm. I met the goal. Yay. And if you're a parent, you might reward your child for meeting that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's I'm going to see myself as a reader or I'm going to see myself as a learner. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see myself as a student who's going to successfully navigate school and go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to provide more internal motivation than to your point than a parent saying, well, don't you want to go to college? Let's let's make sure that you do X, Y and Z to make sure that you get off to college. And of course, some of that may end up coming with it. But the idea of helping our children focus their attention on a different identity than maybe what they are. Maybe they're the class clown. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, we try to help them find out like why, why, why is it that everything you want to do revolves around making people laugh? You mm-hmm. know, what is it about that? Is it that you want attention that you want friends? Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, then maybe you see yourself as a good friend. Yes. I want you to see yourself as a good friend. What does a good friend do? Mm-hmm. And helping them maybe shift their identity, I think is a really, I, I know that seems small, but it's kind of revolutionary. It is. Because I don't think we think that way very no. often. No. Yeah. And I mean, so <clears throat> even from that perspective, then looking at, okay, if you love like making, you know, you're the class clown, is it you just, you you think it's fun watching people laugh. Like you said, yeah. Rebecca, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, shifting that into, I like to bring people joy. Mm, but then all of mm-hmm. a sudden you're able to twist that and go, okay, but it's really not joyful because then the teacher is frustrated right. and you don't. So then you're not saying, no, don't do those things. But boy, if I'm a, if I like to bring people joy, mm-hmm. how can I do that in a way that kind of there's no downside? Right. Oh, well, you know, I should, you should write five jokes and, and, Bring them out to recess every day, and, sh- and and there you go. You're getting the mm-hmm. same. So I I do. I really like this. Um, mm-hmm. I will fully admit, yeah. I completely use this book in my own life with a number of things. Poor Rebecca's had to hear about a whole bunch of them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> working out, working, working out. out. I do know you use it for the working. I do. Out. I do. I'm <clears> don't you get up at like four in the morning or five or something? Getting like up that? at five. Yes, and that has been hard. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone would say it's hard, but um, yeah. and maybe for some, hey, if you are amazing at getting up at five, I salute you. That's incredible. Um, and 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 just for me personally, I knew for years. This is the only time. I mean, if I'm going to work out or if I'm going to be 
in the word, reading the Bible, like this is mm-hmm. it. it I've, I've tried a myriad of ways to d- either do it at night, do it when you get home from work, do it, you know, kind of push it, jam it in mm-hmm. somewhere. And guess what? It just, it does not happen consistently. Mm-hmm. And um, really some of, some of the things in this book were really helpful in just going, you know, how, how much better do I feel when I get up, I do the thing, um, and I reward myself. You know, I, I write it down. I'm a huge nerd. I love putting that check mark. So I, 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 so I have, yeah. I've got, I bought a, you know, a journal with a calendar so I can write it down in circle like I did the thing today. And then you can look and see how mm-hmm. many days in front of you you've done that. So it has been really helpful. Um, but what was really interesting is we're talking about, you know, the habits that shape our identity. One point that uh, James was talking about is that, and I, and again, maybe you're just going to go that, duh, you didn't know this, but yeah. I didn't know this. Um, he states, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Hmm. And I actually agree with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I think I've heard it in a variety of other areas. Um, people who tend to plan and plan and plan, but never execute. And mm-hmm. his, his deal is you just need to put the reps in. So he does use in one example, you could, if you want to be someone who goes to the gym, he said, you can literally go to the gym and the goal is, I'm going to go there and stay there two minutes. And and I guess people have done this. Really? And and he said, because really, your goal is to change your identity. Mm-hmm. I am someone that gets up and goes to the gym. Mm-hmm. And then, and it, so it's, you know, you just do the thing that's easiest, that you're forming the reps because you're changing your mentality. When you change your mm-hmm. mentality, then all of a sudden it's, now I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do X. And then, you know, it's a very systematic way of, of looking at it. And so he really talks about how, you know, every time you do something, and I think even, you know, some things that we've discussed with neurology and how the brain forms connections, you have to do something over and over and over and over. So so he's just talking about, look, you got to make it as easy as possible Mm -hmm. to do the thing. Even if it's not, I want to run a marathon, it's I'm going to buy the running shoes and I'm going to go outside and I'm going to run around my block. And I'm going to, then the goal is, you know, and then I'm going to write it in my journal or wherever I'm keeping track. And then the goal is don't break that chain. Like, look how cool it looks to see all the days in the row that I did this. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you start thinking like a runner or a healthy person, whatever is the habit that you're trying to form. And I Mm -hmm. just thought, I do love that. Yeah. You know, it it helps frame your thoughts, uh, not in a shaming way, but you know, at the end of the day, do I want to be a person that veges out for two hours in front of the television? Mm. Which, you know, if you've had a long day and the kids have been crazy, that's, hey, I totally get it. But really starting to view things through that lens is how am I, what vote is this casting? Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm spending more than I make, what vote does that cast, you know, for Mm -hmm. me into the future? Because his whole philosophy is all of these actions, these incremental actions, they are like savings in a bank account if you Mm -hmm. save ten dollars especially today it doesn't really mean much um Mm -hmm. but if you started when you were 10 years old and you saved ten dollars every month and then you know those ten dollars you put into a bank account and it Mm -hmm. compounds interest and then he says small habits over time that's where you get the results Mm -hmm. you know it's not going to necessarily be tomorrow or next week or even three months from now but it's 
five years from now, if you're putting in those votes for, I want to be a healthy person, Mm -hmm. or I want to be a learner, you know, maybe you don't read a full book every month, but if you read, you know, two pages a night and you read eight books in a year, that's eight books more than you'd ever read. Those are topics that you know more about. And then in five years, think of the knowledge that you have by just reading two pages. Even if you can't do the big thing, Mm -hmm. you can do these little things. And again, for me, that feels so much more manageable. Right, right. But then when we're talking about, well, what influences our actions? And I, I really thought that this was fascinating. You know, what, how, what influences the votes that we take for who we want to become. Right. That's where I was just going to turn that conversation to that next thought, which is that he found that the role of friends and family are very important. So he talks about three different groups Mm -hmm. that really influence a person's votes, Mm -hmm. as you would say. The close, so the people that are closest to you. Mm -hmm. The many, which I would consider to be the peers. Mm -hmm. And then the powerful, which I would consider to be like Hollywood stars or the elite, you know, people that you know are that everybody knows, Bill Gates or, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Congress people that are well known. Um, That's the powerful. But it's interesting. I, I remember hearing a quote that really ties in with this, that you are an amalgam of like the eight closest people to you, something like that. Yep. And this really fits in with that because yes. what he's saying is that if we want to establish good habits, mm-hmm. then we need to place ourselves. Of course, you can't choose who you're, what family you're born into, right? <laughs> and that's why some students or some kids really struggle because they are not born into a family that is healthy and is modeling healthy behavior. And I'm not just talking physical health. I'm yeah. talking mental. I'm talking everything. Yes. Um, but, you know, to the point that you have the control over the closest people to you. Yep. Now that you're an adult, Abigail, we were just talking about this on the way over. You make sure that you have your family and your children with other families yes. who have the same values as you. Mm-hmm. And you might have the same ideas about how much TV is okay or what kind of TV yes. is okay. Or when are we going to get our kids cell phones or, you know, all of these things that really influence how a child turns out, frankly, um, you are choosing people to be the close Mm -hmm. to you that have the same values so that those little mini steps that your kids are going to be taking over the course of time Mm -hmm. are going to be in the right direction because they're supported by other families whose kids are also making those same steps in the right direction. They're making those deposits. Mm -hmm. And uh, to Rebecca's point, there was a really good study Um, that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine that was discussed in the book, where this study actually tracked 12,000 people for 32 years. So obviously, it's an excellent long-term study. Longitudinal study, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it found that a person's chances of becoming obese increased by 57% if he or she had a friend who became obese. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 57%. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really do. You, You... unconsciously and i do think in america we uh we have such an independent spirit which is great i love Mm -hmm. that um however i think sometimes it really is a little naive that we we're not aware of (laughs) right you know we want to think no one influences us i make my own decisions and 
I mean, really? Yeah. Your environment does influence how you spend your time. Well, yeah. Share, you know? share the study. I thought this was so interesting. Oh, yeah. The psychologist Solomon Ash conducted a series of experiments um, that are now taught to actually legions of undergrads each year. And it says that the subject, to begin, they enter the room with a group of, of strangers. And then unbeknownst to them, the other participants were actors planted by the researcher and instructed to deliver scripted answers to certain questions yes. that are actually wrong answers. Mm-hmm. And they ask everybody to raise their hand. And they said, you know, the first couple of times they give questions and everybody agrees of the answer. And then over the course of time, they have more and more actors giving the wrong answer. Yes. Pretty soon by the end, there's very few people who don't raise their hand in unison with these actors, even though they know in their heads yes. it's the wrong answer. Yep. Um, and and it's, this study is something they're asking um, about uh, matching lines. So uh, just so you know, it's something they're asking in this study about something that's very obvious. Basically, yeah. which two of these lines match? And, you know, it's really clear that which two match and which clearly don't. <laughs> and and it did. It showed that now if the participant was in the room with one person, so a participant and an actor, of course, the participant didn't know it was an actor, then um, then the person was just kind of like, well, this guy's a real dummy. You know, mm-hmm. what do they know? And they weren't swayed. But as they introduced, you know, now you're in a room with four people and all three other people said, oh, yeah, these two lines match. And the subject was going, what? they clearly they don't. don't. <laughs> um, that then he, they were, then they started giving the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. And the more people there were in the room saying, you know, the clear incorrect answer, the faster that subject kind of fell into line and mm-hmm. said, well, I guess I'm I'm wrong. Which, think about the ramifications for that. So when he talks about the close, the many, the powerful, the many is the peers. Mm-hmm. And what you just described is what happens to kids yes. when they are experiencing peer pressure mm-hmm. of any kind on any topic. Yep. I mean, you name it, whether that's you know, drinking underage or yep. vaping now, I think is kind of a bigger issue. Um or let's take the opposite. I'm going to remain pure until mm-hmm. I'm married. I mean, you need a large number of people around you to really support that, right? Yep. So that you feel comfortable doing that because mm-hmm. we are social beings and we want acceptance. That's how God created us. Yep. And, and so then what happens is that if you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one to think this way, then it is so hard to experience that pressure. And that's what we're finding. Psychological studies show that actually people cave in on that pressure. Yes. So we are so already coming to the end of our show here, Abigail. But one of the <laughs> things that we wanted people to think about is how does this relate to how I raise my kids? Mm-hmm. Who are their friends? How am I modeling Yes. Those identities that I want my children to have. Like I want them to be good learners. I want them to be um uh, spiritually strong. Are you modeling that for your children? And then is the school you're sending them to modeling okay. that? Um, or is the school filling them with a whole peer group that is trying to lead them in a completely different direction? Is it reinforcing the values that you are desperately trying to instill in them at e- home? Exactly. And it's really easy to not think that deeply on this topic, but 
the book Atomic Habits really forces the issue to really think deeply yep. about how habits form, both good and bad, Yep. and how to make sure that you are leading your kids well. Yeah. So thank you, Abigail, for bringing this book to light. I was enlightened today on this topic <laughs> and enjoyed it very much. I did too, and I hope you all enjoy it. And again, if you have time, again, the chapters are short. You know, go out and, and learn something. You know, read two pages. If you can't read 10, read two. You'll get there. There you go. Have a good night, everyone. Yep. See you next week. And listen to this show again on Spotify. And I-